city. It is this sprawling massive place miles and miles across. Been here as long as anyone can remember. Nobles play their power games. Guilds maneuver for money and influence. Dark things emerge from the shadows to hunt. And the lamplighters take everything in while keeping the darkness at bay. The thing I always wonder is why. Why do these lamplighters keep the darkness back? What investment do they have in Avalon? Streets of Avalon, an urban RPG setting by Brett Blazinski for the world's most popular role-playing game. Ask for it at your friendly local game store or head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash streets. Gaming and BS, episode 336, being recorded Monday, April 5th, 2021! Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad everybody's here. Sean, I got to show you something. Uh-oh. That Simba is a, Room. That's a core rule set. Booyah. I started reading it. The original delivery was still an absolute goddamn debacle, but <laughs> I chose this time not to let my anger and rage get the better of me, and I picked up the rules anyway, so... First thoughts? First thoughts? Uh, I like it. I had read, I think I mentioned this before, I read the uh, the free like, quick start type of rules. They said, hey, check this out. So I buzzed through it. I like the idea of it being basically a D20 player facing. The mechanics don't seem very complicated. Pretty cool. The setting is wicked fun, I think. It'll be a lot of, it's right up my alley. Kind of the darker side of fantasy and so forth. A, little ex- a lot of exploration type of stuff so should be fun i'm waiting to see uh once i get through it i gotta get it to my table and see how the crew likes it but uh definitely want to give it a shot i think it'll be fun first free league product i believe for you correct that is my first first one yes i am checking out the um what is the other the uh vasen oh uh, the basin. yeah vasen basin yep that one's interesting. I know it's not the same mechanic as this. Vasan is done on the, uh, or Basin is done on the same mechanic as uh, I think the other stuff. Correct. Yeah, I believe D six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I've heard really good things about that. Alex Cameron's played it. He likes it. A number of other people that I um, respect have uh, said, "Oh, it's really good. A lot of fun." So, another one I'll pick up at a local store or at least a U.S. <laughs> U.S. reseller online. Um, but yeah, that one, that one might be in my future, depending on how the rest of the read goes and so on here, but so far so good on this. Like it. Cool. Uh, let's see. I'll lead off here for game and I got some, uh, Sean ages back. You gave me your copy of Midgard, your 5e book, the huge goddamn Midgard setting book. I did. Like, hey, take this. You said, eh, if you use it, sell it, whatever. I'm like, I'm not selling He's gonna this. Get rid of it. <laughs> I gave it to I gave it to AJ. Oh, so AJ, right. AJ had it, and he has been devouring it. And uh, he's like, I want to run a Midgard game. Sounds good. So I ran the Frat Realms game for he and Alana. We played for a while, ended that in enough time for him to sit us down, and we made characters. He was super happy to talk about ley lines, how this all works, um, all of it. So he was really happy. He likes the uh, likes all the cool stuff in the world, how it's set up, and he's uh, he's really grooving on it. So that's to uh, that's coming. So I'm pretty happy about that. And I was like, I just want to let you know that book is going to good use. He's been reading it a lot. Well, that's good, man. I'm glad somebody's using it. Yeah, he's like, can I have some thumbtacks? I'm like, why? I want to hang the map up on my on my wall. <laughs> yep, he's uh-huh. in it. That means yeah, if the map's going on the wall, that means it's important. That was a good sign. And I got to um, I ran Greyhawk. My first edition Greyhawk game for my for my crew online last Thursday. That went very well. They uh, they went in woefully unprepared into the 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 crypts of the ancient dwarven hold, kind of the back entrance in, if you will, trying to sneak around and through to figure out what's going on with the Darrow. And uh, they made some horrible mistakes. They paid for it, um, not with their lives. They um, they played smart after after fashion. Um, one of the NPCs, the only NPC they had with them who had a chance in hello to help them out. For some reason, they decided that he looks compromised and they killed him. 
Um, <laughs> I think the only reason they got away with that was because Lenny wasn't there as the his character is the moral compass of the group. <laughs> so that's going to come back to bite them. That's what's going to happen. Where are they? In Gray- where are they in Greyhawk, Brett? They are in the um, the Grand Duchy of Jeff. They're up in the mountains right now, digging into a problem. Lenny wasn't there, so I had him spirited away to go do a little solo adventure. Because I'm running experience points again, which I haven't run experience points in forever, Lenny's first thought was, I can't make the game because he's got a play. He's in theater. He's got a uh, play going on. He says, can you run a solo adventure with me? I'm like, why? Experience points, man. He he said, (laughs) I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. If you don't play, you don't get any XP. He's like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I can't be that far behind. (laughs) Like, Okay, so... If nothing else, the, ex- the XP delivery mechanism for my crew is a good incentive. They don't just show, ah, I missed four sections of a level, everybody. Well, I'll just level up to equal that. No. They're like, no, I, I made it to every session. If you weren't here, because he missed the first session, the kickoff, because he had something going on. And uh, he he be, he uh, hates that because <laughs> everybody else is a couple thousand XP above him. And uh, he's like, I'm not losing anymore. So that was kind of fun to see. How was uh, any gaming for you? I ran Forbidden Lands on Thursday. How'd it go? I had a couple things planned. They managed to um, come across the small encampment. Very small. Two tents, donkey, cart. Nobody was there, strangely enough. And then they... They had four people converge on them, and and things got worse. Yeah, the Rust awesome. brothers paid them a visit, and then uh, anybody Elise, die? What's that? Anybody die? Pretty close. Uh, Elise Harrigan's character decided to go out again alone forward to see what was going on, and of course she got confronted by two of them. Oh, and um, they ended up smashing her foot. Uh, lethally smashing her foot. So she would have died and probably, I think we rolled maybe, it was a high roll, like five days, and she would die. So pretty compound fracture, probably hit a major artery or something. And the orc took out a lot of the guys. One one got away. One, one of the Rust brothers got away. So they've killed her. Killed. They've killed six rust brothers and one got away now and now they have two tents and uh, a cart and a donkey and uh dorm uh, kevin's character healed elise but not before bestowing a uh, virus on everybody because <laughs> he had a ma- magical mishap so he's like yeah. sorry sorry about that sorry about that yeah yeah and so he he she survived um so we'll see what happens i've got some other stuff i was talking to craig on sunday he he asked me if i would he's running forbidden lands for his group and he's like three sessions in and so we were kind of going back and forth and i told the guys don't watch the video because he kind of asked me like hey what do you got planned or what's going on and i said well this is what i you know this is what i'll do is and and we talked about the rule set but um yeah it's good we'll it's you know Little, little, little this, little that. They come across and doesn't have to big, huge, grandiose storyline, you know. Because those Rust brothers, they're gonna, they're gonna find out who they are. That's been a that's been a recurring villain right now for those guys. It's the only ones they've come across so far. So besides the ogre, well, there you go. But nice. I, I, you know, I, I'm sure everything will be just fine. I can't, I can't imagine not being fine. Right. Well, yeah. Anything else happen? Any more gaming? Uh, no, I was, I got, uh, star, I got Delta green tomorrow night and then I've got star Wars edge of the empire on Saturday, the whole day. So, but other than that, I have no gaming than that schedule. Merkborg, Merk, Merkborg on the 17th of April I'm in Harrigan's game. He's going to run that for a few 17th folks. Of April. What the hell am I doing on the 17th of April? Look, you, okay. He's got a slot open if you want some metal, some metal fantasy. I thought it's going to be quite metal. I'm going to play the whole game like this. It's going to be fucking great. It's going to be total metal, Merkberg. 
Yeah, just making a spinal tap rip off there. Totally, man. It's like nice. It's so it's so metal. I mean, look at this. It's got a yellow book and it's got like this great art. It's just gonna be so fantastic, Brett. You and gotta get to in 11, the game. It to, it's just gonna be to fucking fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. If you don't have right, anything going on, man. I, I I might have something going on now. Suddenly, suddenly busy. Suddenly busy. I'm kidding. All right, I'll see. I've got to take a look at the calendar. Yeah, you never know. Cool, man. We good? Yeah, Anything we should else? probably. Uh... Uh, GameWolcon.com. Sean and I are going through the, uh, the inoculation process now. Um, we're hoping that everything continues as planned. And GameWolcon will be in person, so we'd like to both be there. I don't know what... I don't know if it'll be a like, hey, there's podcast tables and such as we've had in the past. Um, we'll figure all that stuff out. But at this point, Sean and I are both planning to be there, so we shall see what happens. I uh, I think I'm going to run. So if you're interested in running a game under our banner, uh, let us know. Sign up if you if submit event. That's like in May. It's coming. But if you want to plan on something, you know, it'd be. That'd be awesome. We'll make sure the table's full. I think I'm gonna run. I think I'm gonna run Feng Shui for sure. Cool. I definitely better run an Avalon game. I think to your point though, on if you want to run a game under our banner, one of the things that Sean and I like to do for you is to advertise the games here on the podcast, so we can say, "Hey, so and so is running this game. Wouldn't it be great? She's an awesome game master. You should go play her in her game." We want to do that stuff for you. <laughs> Excuse me. So let us know what you're planning to do, when it is. Or and or at least what you're planning to do, um, and then once you get dates and stuff. But anyway, point is, we want to help fill your games for you because there's nothing less fun than showing up at Congo. Oh, I have open chairs. It's really cool to have a sold out game. So we want to help. We good, man. We're good. Now we can move on. Random encounter. Random encounter segment of the show where we feel emails, voicemail, and comments from social media. Your turn. I guess I will start. Mikkel Drescher writes about why all the hate slash Sean's move away from 5e. (laughs) Hey guys, I'm in the camp, which you're both well aware of being over 5th edition. Fine game, but my issue is there isn't any adventure left for me. I know all the spells, all the feats, all the class abilities, etc. There's no mystery left. And so the worlds within might as well stay on the map Here there be dragons. My list for adventure doesn't get satisfied when the world is known. Now, that being said, I do steal adventurers and turn the adventure back up. Example, Tyranny of Dragons takes on a whole new tone when you run it sword and sorcery style and call Cthulhu. Particularly the Cult of the Dragon. Curse of Strahd I run in Fate with Corruption Mechanics. Prince of the Apocalypse I run with Blades in the Dark and treat the whole thing as a turf war. Mm. It brings a breath of fresh air into an otherwise fully explored realm. Most other things I run in fate to keep the risk high and story rich, as there's no set world or menus where thieves get backstab and wizards get magic missile. I've run my mouth long enough, so I'll close with a quick update. The move to Georgia has been one of the best decisions I've ever made, and I've become I'm becoming a professional role player for the DHS. <laughs> F all loud. Uh, The world is full of surprises, and I can't wait to see what new adventures await. I hope to see you at cons as soon as possible. Stay awesome. Best regards, Michael Drescher. Glad to hear your move went well, Michael. was watching on Facebook, and that's a big move. Wisconsin down to Georgia. Long long haul. But Michael's got some family down there. Looks like it's been a really good move for him, so that is awesome. And I like what Michael's talking about there, too, right? You know, so for him... He's saying, you know, he five e has lost a wonder factor for him, which is which is possible, right? I mean, that was one of the reasons why I stopped running Vampire the Masquerade because, like, I feel like I've played it. I've played it all. That's how I feel. It doesn't uh, doesn't ho- hold any more mystery for me. Like, ooh, I wonder what if. I don't think that when I think about that game anymore. But Michael's doing it a step better, I think, with the hey. I like Tyranny of Dragons, but I'm going to twist it a little bit. Hey, I like this Curse of Strahd, but I'm going to do it this other way. So taking the cool, what he thinks is still cool ideas and, and so forth, and just putting a different spin or twist on it, that's pretty smart. That's a, I like that approach. That way he can still get some 
um, get some use out of some of the cool stuff that's being produced. But, you know, just use it in his own own special way. I like it, Michael. Good stuff, man. Very good. Cool. Anything from you, sir? No. I wish you all the best of luck, Michael. You're not far away nowadays. So no, when, you get back to the, when you get back to the crib, hope maybe you can get back to Game Hole Con. That'd be awesome to see you there, buddy. But if not, that's cool. All right, so who's next? John R. writes in on World of Darkness. Brett and Sean, just finishing listening to the World of Darkness episode and from how Brett wants to run his World of Darkness games. I thought he might like Orpheus. It came out towards the end of, of the old World of Darkness and run and continued the story of Wraith after the end of that game line. But from the perspective of an agency trying to piece together what was happening around them, if nothing else, it could give you some good flavor to throw into your Chronicles of Darkness game. John, it's SC. Yeah, I, I've heard good things about Orpheus. I, I failed to mention it on the show, and I've been tempted by it. Not sure. It's probably one of those things I'm going to end up picking up, if nothing else, just to take a look at it and see, kind of as Mr. Drescher was talking about earlier, what I could do to mine it for other ideas and so on. So I'm glad you brought it back up because I completely forgot about it until you mentioned it, man. So thank you, John. I appreciate that. I'll definitely look into Orpheus. Very cool. Sean, your turn, sir. Matt V is back on World of Darkness, but also has a topic suggestion. Oh, I better take note. Hello, gentlemen. Long time, no write-in. Glad to hear you're feeling better, Brett. This getting old thing sucks. As you read that, I turned my neck just ever so slightly. We're pain. Fuck, that hurt. Anyway, keep going. (laughs) Old man, old man, old man here. It's okay. Keep going. Don't worry, I'm still listening religiously, and I mean to write in almost every episode, but life. So I won't chime in on anything because it would get quite wordy and just make a request so Brett doesn't have to work so hard. I have a topic request. How to make the horror genre entertaining. Hmm. Okay, okay. Carry on, Karen. What else did we say? What else we got? Like Sean, I'm not really a horror guy. I don't watch horror movies or jam anything horror. It doesn't really intrigue me. However, the RPG horror space has always intrigued me, but never done it for me. And seeing as Sean has found entertainment there, besides not being into horror, it's been making me reconsider looking at it. Uh, And Brett has a ton of horror experience to add as well. I've never run a true horror game, largely because I fail to see how to make it entertaining. I ran Pathfinder's Carrion Crown, but I don't really consider that in the horror genre. I've read Cthulhu 7th Edition and New World of Darkness, both of which I liked mechanically. I just can't see how to bring it to the table. I get the whole take away their stuff aspect and the explore and research aspect and do that in my games regularly, but it doesn't seem like enough to build an entire game around. And my experience as a player in horror has been very dull. I've played in a few very short campaigns and some one-shots and never found it entertaining. It may just not be my jam, but I find it equally equally likely that it's never been done right at the tables I'm at. So I'd love to hear your takes on how to horror the one and only correct way. <laughs> one true path. That's right. One true path. All right, guys. Keep up the great work. It really brightens my week. Matt. That's actually a good topic, Sean. I think... Not that I could say, oh, obviously, I've cracked the nut on horror and how to do it all right. Just listen to me and I'll set you straight, son. Um, But there's no reason we can't talk about it a little bit. Because, Sean, even with your Mothership game, you were able to crank up some of the the bits, you know, the the tension and so forth. And I think some of those those tools and tricks from there, trying to coalesce what you and I have talked about in different topics over the last six years, like what would... Kind of some tactics, right? Because we'll say, hey, ratchet up the tension. And how does one actually do the thing? Sometimes the uh, uh, lightning in the bottle is tough. It's tough to do. And uh, yeah, I like the idea, though, Matt. So that's that's good. And, and I do get what, you're, what you mean there by I watch some horror movies. I read some horror novels. But I am not a horror aficionado. I know some people who are, my wife's cousin is into slasher flicks. He knows more about the um the Jason Freddy the the Michael Myers actually my buddy Nick is another big one in that Hellraiser all that stuff he knows all of that stuff he's like into that for whatever reason it's a thing he knows a fuck ton about and uh, watches all that stuff those have never done much for me 
Uh, Hillary's are kind of sort of, but anyway. Sean. It's funny you brought up the uh, mothership. Uh, we have the actual play on YouTube, and it's gotten a little bit of traffic. I mean, nothing too crazy, maybe a couple hundred views or something like that. And one of the comments recently was me getting reprimanded by some. Some bitch. He was, well, what, it was to the what effect. Were you doing, what were you doing wrong? Sean? Well, apparently I, why I was letting my players get away with, with like kind of slap happy comedy in mothership, why they weren't taking it more seriously and why I wasn't putting the kibosh down. Oh, why aren't you being a complete tool? Why aren't you? Why are you smashing it down and making sure no one has any fun? I gotta, I gotta say, playing with Rasher and Goad and Curtis and everybody that was involved in that, Dirtless and and you know Cipher and those guys, there was some humorous moments. I mean, Rasher I was playing you know, a scientist that was like, you know, his answer to everything was popping a pill. <laughs> I'll tell you, man. Though there is. Good horror has some humor in it. Wa- go watch right. the second alien. Go watch the yeah. second aliens movie. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> it's That's hilarious. What did you just say? <laughs> right. People acting like complete dumbasses. You know, hey, best guys, you've been mistaken for a man. No, of you. It's funny. <laughs> right. You know, because this guy's trying to be a misogynistic prick. It's just nut- nuts him right there. It's awesome. Yeah. Is this another, or is it, how do I get out of this chicken shit outfit? I mean, there's just stupid, silly, but. Part of that is to offset the tension. And I'll tell you, man, some of the most terrifying things I've done, people are like, oh, my God, this would be like if, you know, a chicken had tentacles and it, and it tried to eat you. What the fuck would you do if that happened? They, because humor helps you cope, right? So anyway, I like the idea, Matt. It's it's into Hoppa. It's in Yeah, no, I like it's it. good. And I can, uh, good can elaborate a little bit on that because I... I was I'm, I was exactly in your spot, Matt. I'm like, I don't understand it. I don't get it. What's the big deal? And then I ran, you know, played Call Cthulhu and read some Delta Green and Mothership and Alien, and it's like uh, Sean, Sean is now a member of the Mushroom Path. Yeah, man, you got to make things creepy. How do you make it creepy? Yeah, you say, "Well, oh, make it creepy." That's that's nice. That's good to say. How the fuck do I do that, dude? Yeah, yeah. All right, Matt, we're gonna put that one in there. We're gonna talk about that for sure. So Jared Rasher's next. He shed some interesting light on World of Darkness and WWE. <laughs> Dude, I, I thought this is an interesting post on our forums. I, I was like, I what? saw this as well, and I'm like, okay. And I would have been upset had Joe Swick not commented on professional. I'm a little disappointed. Comments. Joe didn't bring this to our attention. Actually, yeah, I, I am a little disappointed. So because yeah. he's like both. Joe, like, Joe, just just so you know, Joe. We're we're disappointed in you. Son. We're disappointed, but you know, Joe, we still anyway. love you. Just oh yeah, we're just we're just disappointed in your choices. Um, <laughs> so Jared says, I knew there was some hiccups with Gangrel and White Wolf, so I looked it up, and of course, it was weirder than I thought it would be. So believe it or not, in um, the uh, professional wrestling arena, there is a wrestler named David Heath, and he he decided it would be cool to do a vampire wrestler gimmick because he liked the Lost Boys. He used it as his thing when he was an independent wrestler in the ECW and never used the game, the name Gangrel at the time. However, when he gets picked up by the WWE and Vince McMahon hated the idea of vampire wrestlers. If you don't like professional wrestling, you might want to tune out but I, I, I follow this, right? But Vince Russo convinced Vince, two Vinces, uh, to run with it. And he worked up a whole new entrance and name, i.e. Gangrel. And if you're a World of Darkness guy, Gangrel is a vampire clan. Turns out Russo didn't think White Wolf would notice the WWE using the name, and they were wrong because this was the height of White Wolf power around the time when they had a full-blown television show. They did. White Wolf had a really horrible Vampire the Masquerade television show. Um, Horrible. Um, However, they worked on a deal with the WWE where they could license the name Gangrel from them, and they signed a five-year deal. Jared says, I vaguely remember a tiny little trademark notice in the Gangrel WWE action figures mentioning White Wolf. At the end of the five years, Gangrel wasn't really a headliner, so WWE released him from his contract and didn't renew the license for the name. Fast forward a few years, WWE decides to bring back old members of the Undertaker's ministry as a group to try to get revenge on the dead man. Except when WWE tried to contact White Wolf to renew the license for the name, they found out that White Wolf's IP was owned by CCP Games. CCP Games suddenly realized that there was a wrestler named Gangrel who tried to sue the WWE for ever using the name. The judge said that they couldn't sue WWE for using the name in the past when they had an agreement with White Wolf. To be extra safe, 
WWE will not, will not currently refer to the character as Gangrel, but they didn't pull any of the matches from their streaming services that include him being called Gangrel. But whenever they refer to him in current merchandise, they always use his actual name of David Eath. Two other members, Edgy and Christian, were of the premier tag teams of the Brood split up, never mentioned their former vampirism ever again, which is apparently a thing. You can be a former vampirist person. Um, eventually, Christian left the WWE to go to various other promotions. Edge got a huge push, and then injured his neck, had to have a spinal fusion. I, I, I feel for you, Edge. Anyway, like most modern wrestlers, despite being told if he injures his neck again that he could be paralyzed, Edge just come out of retirement because wrestling is a terrible industry to retire from if you don't come, become a movie star. <laughs> oh, my God. And then the other guy, Christian, made his return to AEW wrestling, which maybe sort of could be starting to rival WWE dominance. Oh, my God. Good Lord. I can't believe that anybody bothered to document all that, Jared. Thank you so much for doing so. That's all. That's just fucking funny. I don't know if anybody else remembers this, but in the um, in the spirit of weird ass shit, so there is a series of um, vampire and lichen movies, right? So there was um, shit. Now I'm forgetting what the hell the term. The names were. Kate Beckinsale plays the vampire who's a vampire hunter, and they kill uh, lichens, werewolves. So the whole werewolf vampire war thing going on, that's a white wolf deal. I remember sitting in a theater watching this movie, thinking. What if White Wolf was suing these guys? Yes, they did. White Wolf tried to sue them and lost. Because apparently I think Sony owned them. And Sony has deeper pocketbooks than a small gaming company out of Atlanta, Georgia. Underworld. So, Underworld. Thank you. I totally lost it. But yeah, Underworld was uh, is it, <laughs> it's a straight ass um, World of Darkness ripoff, pretty much, from that case. But anyway, funny, funny, funny. That's awesome, Jared. Thank you for putting that up. Crazy shit. I mean, that, that almost reminds me of what well, I should say almost reminds me. It does remind me of when Guy Gax and TSR had the first deities and demigods book. The Morcock, Elric of Malibane gods and the Cthulhu gods were in the book because they thought, hey, we can do this. We're just a little game company. And then the states came along. Michael Morcock, no, you can't do that. <laughs> and the people who actually operate on Lovecraft are like, you, you can't do that. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. Fun, fun, fun. Cool, good man. times. That's good Anything info. Else? Thanks, Jared. I thought it was, I mean, I am not a wrestler guy and I'm not a world of darkness guy, but I thought it was, a... I mean, he dug up some interesting stuff for sure. Of all the weird connections, I didn't even know that went on. And I read this like, oh my God, I could totally see this happening in pro wrestling. Because you because of glomming on to like an event that's cool, right? Little zeitgeist of the time. Funny. All right, shall we? Yeah, thanks everybody for writing in. Let's get into the main topic. All right, Brett. We're talking about mooks, minions. Uh, we're talking about those low-rent little thugs that we throw at a player. A couple different listeners over the last six years have brought this up to us saying, hey, you should talk about this. Hey, what about? And this is a topic I believe I've not gone through our fairly extensive back catalog of six years and checked them all out. But I know, Sean, you and I have talked about this a little bit in the past. However, so I figured we pull this sucker back out and refresh a little bit. So when I say mooks and minions... Um, what I'm thinking about are quickly expendable adversaries that the PCs can encounter and deal with quickly. They only have one hit point type of thing. Adversaries pose a threat or an obstacle. They can still damage the PCs, delay the PCs, cause trouble, etc. But generally speaking, they're quick and expendable are a big thing. Um, I know 4E had minion rules. And I know Savage Rolls is famous for its, hey, these are mooks. They one hit off the table, you know, type of thing. So, Sean, when it comes to mooks and minions and such, do you do you use them? Do you think about them much? Yes. Yes? So I have you to use in Star Wars Edge of the Empire, Brett. It's a core part of the game. All right. So how are they how do they play in Edge Star Wars Edge of the Empire? Uh, so the whole Star Wars Fantasy Flight Games uh product line uses minions. Uh, primary the 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 most prevalent minion you will probably run in, into is the mighty stormtrooper. Pew pew. 
And then in those games, if you have one stormtrooper, they're completely and utterly worthless. They really are. They they shoot worth the crap. Shocker. And uh, uh, they shoot worth the crap, and they go down really quickly. If you have a group of, I think they cut they cut off as like three, but typically you'll have like five. And as you add, when you get to like three, it's you you roll them as a group. So kind of like D and D, like you had a group of goblins, you roll initiative for one goblin, you know, the goblin side. Mm-hmm. You do that in Star Wars as well, and then as they kind of become one group, like almost like a swarm in 5e, right? So instead of shooting a stormtrooper, you're, you're, I mean, you can shoot a stormtrooper, but you're shooting at the group. And so the group takes on, do they have better ability to wound the player characters? They will, if you get enough of them. So the Mm -hmm. more mooks, the more minions in star Wars Mm -hmm. that you have, the, 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 their abilities increase. So for each one that you add over one or two or threes, their their ability gets better and better. And it's based on the quantity, which makes sense, right? If you have like 10 stormtroopers running down the hallway and uh, you don't get away, they're going to probably, one of those guys is going to hit you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is, Sean, I don't know if you recall this silly side story, but remember back in the days when we used to ride motorcycles, there was a uh, little bar I took you to in uh, southern Wisconsin, out by my old place. And there was a cemetery called Mook Cemetery. Do you remember that? It was the, it was the Mook. It was the, it's called Mook Cemetery. I've got a picture of it. I'm going to find it. That is post hilarious. Because I, <laughs> I think about them like, so this is where they go. <laughs> oh, well, that sucks. Not Here lies right red shirt, number <laughs> two. red shirt, number two. Old number three. <laughs> Never knew it in them. Um, I think one of the cool parts for me is that there are a number of different systems that have minions and mooks and these these low-rent NPCs type of thing. A lot of times we think about them in a combat situation. So if I'm remembering my 4E correctly, and if anybody out there knows this better than me, forgive me because I only have passing familiarity with it. But you could have an ogre that's a minion. He has the same to hit you chance, the same to damage you chance, but he only has one hit point. So he's easy to sweep away. Right, but he's still a threat because six ogres against your, you know, tenth level, twelfth level, fifteenth level character. Yeah, whack, 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 whack. Sixteen rounds later, you've killed all sixteen ogres. But each ogre could still do, you know, three to eighteen or whatever the points of damage are, so it can whittle you down. So that makes sense in a combat situation. It's really cool, and I think, um, <laughs> excuse me, some people don't like the idea of having. Like an ogre with one hit point. Or, um, you know, stormtroopers kind of feel like the kobolds, if you will, and that. But s- sometimes having that, um, a powerful creature, or you, you see it as like a giant, as a, as a minion, it just feels weird, right? Um, but I think there's, there's some power in the minion, not only just in combat, Sean, but I'm seeing, I like using them as just adversaries, roadblocks, obstacles in general. Um, sometimes that does it does equal them getting gunned down in mass numbers, right? Um, and sometimes it's the in Call of Cthulhu, for instance, with your cultists. Cultists are great minions and mooks. They're these throwaway people. They don't have names. They're like cultists one through five, right? And sometimes the cultists one through five, their job is they spray gunfire so the lead cultist can escape. Their whole job is just to spray gunfire for two rounds and then disappear. Then they flee. Characters can waste their time running them down or chase after the head cultist who just got into Duesenberg and is tearing off down the street at a whopping 30 miles an hour, whatever Duesenberg did. Right. I used to even do the same thing in my old vampire games and whatever. You would have mortal gang members that would be somehow coerced to helping the Ventru, this you know blue blood vampires kind of controlling a gang or a bruja, somebody. This, they would use these as just a roadblock. They're annoying. They'll throw rocks at you. They'll, you know, cause a problem at the club. When you're trying to make your way across the Succubus Club and in, in the, you know, to the beat of a Nine Inch Nails album, and you're working your way across there, you're gonna go talk, you're gonna run down the rogue Canaanite vampire who's been causing all this trouble, and boom, the gangbangers show up and they're in your face, they cause a fight in front of you. 
and you just, and you could just watch the NPC escaping. I have found that that type of obstacle use of a minion, the MOOC, is much handier for me anyway. Using it like that can be super effective because one is classic to many different genres, movies, books, and so forth, especially that uh, recurring villain. They're like, I don't want this bad guy to die. You got this awesome, you know, female vampire prince and she's just trashing the shit out of people or you've got this great sorceress or you've got this great warlock or evil jedi what sith lord whatever you got and you want them to last longer than two sessions kind of buffering them with this with this pack of people um even if it doesn't come to i have to kill all 15 minions just to get to her don't have to get to her because she's escaped type of thing they're buying time serving as an obstacle um it's just kind of vehicles for mayhem. Does that make sense, Sean? Yeah. I'm going to read you something I came across right before this. Uh, I was going to nice. do a little research, nice. Brett, you but well, you know what? Let's, let's not get crazy. It's 300 episodes. Yeah, exactly. Why, why start crazy. now? But I found something on Reddit that I thought was pretty interesting because I was looking up, you know, like Feng Shui and, um, in the in the Minions piece and, and a guy on, on Reddit says, hey, I'm an aspiring game master. How do you how do I run MOOCs in the game Feng Shui by Robin Laws? Okay. The rules are are very unclear on it. And the guy's like, yeah, 207 looks clear to me. You know, I don't know. Um, what do you mean? Are you asking how to portray them? So this one guy says, they make great targets for your PCs, guns, and fights, uh, and fists. They're able to mow them down with ease and look like the hyper competent badasses they are. Your mooks will miss basically with every shot, but your players may not know that. Uh, you can use them to spectacularly fail in the attempts to listen uh, to liven up the battlefield. Oh no, the mook is driving in a car, uh, trying and mo- to mow us down. He missed. Phew! What? Oh, that would have hurt. Oh crap! He's heading right for that propane tank that will explode and hurt everyone. Slash knock ev- knock over the shipping container right near Bruce. That might. Fall on him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Have a blast! Feng Shui is an amazing amount of fun. So, like when you were bringing that up, like, yep, this is what this guy say. Just throw them all over the place, make them wreak havoc, and be like, oh god, it's, it's, it doesn't even have to be pulp or high adventure craziness. You know, even in a serious um, Call of Cthulhu game, where you're deeply investigating, you're doing whatever. As I said, having those those cultists, those minions, just be a um, Oh, my lovely wife found a link to the Mook Cemetery, so I put it in die roll. <laughs> she can hear me in the other room. So anyway, that's um, hilarious. She's got to help. Glad she's helping produce the show. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. having those cultists, a hail of bullets. You can roll behind the screen if you're budging dice, rolling behind the screen. Okay, they miss, but the bullets go over. And using descriptors like, "Hey, you hear the Tommy gun? Rap, 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 rap. You hear the?" The, the bullets, whatever, and you see someone, you see the minion get up, he pulls the pin on the grenade. It, he, everyone's going to focus fire on the minion with a grenade. You know, he stands up on the shipping container, pulls the pin, he's out there highlighted beautifully, spotlight right behind him. You shoot him or chase the bad guy because he's going to throw a grenade at your little hole in the ground to try it again. Fuck, I guess we got to shoot him. You know, better, better yet, the grenade falls you backwards. shoot him. Or, or as it as comes he, forward, or yeah, I mean, the grenade's gonna drop regardless. But I think, I think the other thing that's fun with mooks, regardless of whether you're serious or pulpy or comedy, even you know, and as I say, even horror humor has its place. The bad guy, do, the bad guys do something terribly stupid, and then crazy things occur. Right. The other thing here is. Easy wins. We've talked about easy wins in the past, in the fairly recent past, I think, if I'm remembering right here. And cutting down the minions to get through, wading through them to get to the bad guy, right? The classic D&D, the big cavern, the, the necromancer stands there. He's cackling. He's throwing hordes of undead at you, and you're hacking your way through the skeletons and the zombies and the ghouls, which are just nothing but juicy bags of hit points to you. They barely even matter. Whack, whack, whack. It takes time. And the vengeance feeling, the, the feeling of success you get 
hacking through this and getting closer to the necromancer and closer to that son of a bitch and closer to that motherfucker. And you finally cut the sucker down. That's wonderful. It took you six rounds to get there, man. I'm coming. Whack, whack. I'm coming. Whack, whack. Finally, it, it's, it's fun. I also think, I was going to say, I have used means in the past as well for clues. So if, uh, especially when Call of Cthulhu, in my opinion, if a couple of minion cultists go down, using cultists because they're very, very common in Call of Cthulhu, especially because it's a lot of cults involved, they have clues on them. They have a ticket from a train they just took. They've got money. They have the mask. They've got the ceremonial robe. They've got the necklace, right? They have a map. They've got a key. They have a note that says, stop them at any cost, sign the Great Red Hood. Like, what is that? Oh, my God, the Great Red Hood. What is that? You know, they have stuff, right? They're easy to defeat. And most good gamers are like, do you search the bodies? Of course I search the bodies. I'm trying to find data, you know, in an investigative mystery horror game. You want to find out as much info as you can because you're on the ropes. Do you search? Do you search all 60 bodies? But, you know, even stormtroopers, they've got a comm. They've got a communications device on them that's from Darth Wankery that says, go kill the bag or whatever, you know, or whatever. There's, to there's Darth a, Wankery. A guy, a that's, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, just, Jeff and those guys are going to encounter I Jeff. I think that Darth that, Wankery now. Jeff. Way to go, Brett. <laughs> He'll lose his mind. No, Brett, do this to you, that <laughs> motherfucker. Um, anyway, but no matter who the minion is, you know, even as even in your... um your D&D game, if you wade through some of these lesser combatants working your way there, right, and the bad guy escapes, an evil necromancer, poof, she's disappeared. Son of a gun, you know. Your character's like, what do we do? And, you know, your partner says, oh, hey, guess what? I found this. Like, oh, thank God. You know, there's clues, there's data, there's something to be found there. And even if it's not the minions themselves that are holding the clues, if they have postponed and delayed the player character's so that the bad person can escape, your characters then find something the bad person couldn't take with them in time. Right? Oh, they left their briefcase. Oh, they left their little black book. Whatever it is. So anyway, from a clues perspective, I find minions to be very useful in that regard. Dropping clues, even if it's small stuff. Um, sometimes it's as simple as finding out in a fantasy game sometimes. It's like, wow, a buddy of mine ran a Shadowrun game, and we encountered some bizarre activity from this one group of cultists, like weird-ass people. Turned out it was a group of elves. So, I, oh, they're all elves. Wait a minute, that's weird, right? So the, the minions mooks we ran into were all elves. We're like, huh, odd. The last group was all elves, too. So that were clues, just in, in and of themselves, who they were. Um... In my Greyhawk game, the guys at one point had cleaned out um, this little subcult of Vecna, and they found out that, hey, it looks like certain key members in the city are involved based on these this information they found. Again, a big push to get them to go to the next place, you know, escalate appropriately. Let me think... So Sean, I th- one of the things that you said about the stormtroopers that makes me that makes me love that is the intimidation factor, the big numbers. Minions aren't they're dangerous in numbers, right? So like you said, I, I love the idea of the stormtrooper piece. Like there's one stormtrooper, who fucking cares? There's 10 stormtroopers. Oh Christ. If nothing else, by dint of the fact that there's 10 of them all shooting full auto blasters at you, it something's bad is going to happen. Right? So I think there's uh, that becomes intimidating and becomes something you have to pay attention to. So I could definitely see it in a Star Wars game. You're tracking so-and-so. You get them to whatever spaceport of scum and villainy, wherever that might happen to be. And like, there they are. We got them now. Halt. Ah, you turn and there's 20 stormtroopers. You can't ignore 20 of them. You could ignore two. Maybe ignore three. 20? This demands my attention. And it forces that decision. Do we split the party? 
do two of you stay here and send the droid after her? Or what do we do? So I think that's pretty cool. I mean, even Han Solo and Chewbacca ran away from stormtroopers on the Death Star, man. Even if even if stormtroopers had a shitty reputation for being able to hit anything, they still ran away from them because there was like 10 of them after them. Um, so I think from a rules perspective, I have, I don't, I have yet to read any particular minion mook rule that I'm like, oh, I don't like this. I honestly think the easiest thing, even when I, um, I have been doing the hardly any hit points thing for D and D minions for ages before it was even a rule. It was just something I naturally, uh, developed like, Hey, I'm going to have. A host of skeletons in front of the necromancer. Again, classic example. But skeletons only have how many hit points? In first edition terms, it was like, you know, you rolled a D8, they had one to eight hit points. Fine, all these have two hit points. Everyone's going to just knock them down. Whack, 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 whack. Just assign them <coughs> the lowest end of the random hit points. You have to have, you have, oh, to yeah, have a blunt weapon. Else is half damage. I know that. Right. But, which is... Which is fun when I did that to my guys. Like, oh fuck, I don't have a blunt weapon. So I shot an arrow. <laughs> they can't <laughs> kill a skeleton, a two hit point skeleton with a either. sword. That's funny as hell. <laughs> but when you have, when you have, what I, that's what I was getting at. I naturally tended to do that when I had something with a random that could have anywhere from one to eight hit points. It's got one hit point. Why? Because fucking I can choose. So I would choose a low number of hit points, knowing full well that the warriors were going to get in there and start wading into them. So let's have an easy win. Chop, chop, chop. They were just there for distraction anyway. I want to keep that big bat alive, man. So, Sean, have you ever read Minion or Mooka rules that you're like, oh, these suck? I'm just I, just asking. I haven't. Uh, I meant to read the actual Feng Shui Mook um, rules, and I don't think there's much to it other than I think they. it says in the book, I think you have to, or you don't have to, but it says to re, to roll them up ahead of time like all their roles kind of uh. weird but um i think i might be wrong regardless um you know in that game specifically I, you know if i want to run it at a convention to eat, i haven't even read the mook rules in that game and if i ran it at a convention and i want to mimic big trouble in little china enter the dragon and there's like a compound of you know, karate fighters all in their geese, all in formation, and they're all, and then you enter, and the big bad guy just points at you and says, get them, and they all flood to you, and you've got 20 on you. I want them to be flying yeah, I around. Bodies like, flying. I, want <laughs> I want Neo from the Matrix, man, taking on, you know, 150 Mr. Smiths, yeah. Agent Smiths. Like, yeah, go nuts. Have them flying all over the place. So I haven't, I haven't, I don't have a lot of Games that I know of off the top of my head that actually have mooks and minions like, hey, this is what this is about. Other than the Star Wars um, RPG and then Feng Shui. Um, Savage Worlds. Savage Worlds. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Yeah, absolutely. So other than that. I, but the, the take that I think we're we're getting at and a lot of the emphasis is obstacles, mm -hmm. cover, Mayhem. you know. Mayhem. They could do other things than try to kill you necessarily. Like they can just make things more difficult and easier for the bad guy. Nothing is, you know, you bring up a great point, Brett. Game masters will always get kind of, will always get the side eye from the players when the big bad gets away. Right. Right. Oh, like, yeah. Metal oh. trapdoor. Yeah, sure. He found a trapdoor. Yeah, of course. Oh, it just happens to be there all great, huh? Yeah, exactly. You know, whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, he's got, he's got but at the same machine time, gun wielding mooks and two guys with flamethrowers. Yeah. Hey, guess what? That, that makes sense because you didn't get through them fast enough. Yeah. Or like even the mooks in Indiana Jones. Yep. The original, right? Like he's going through the streets trying to find Marion and they're all dressed the same. Yep. And she's in a basket somewhere. Yep. And then he runs into one adversary that comes out with the sword, and then he blows him away. Well, how many? I mean, how many? <laughs> how many Nazis did he just punch? Like one punch unconscious, one punch unconscious, and then finally what? one guy shoots him. He just gets shot in the arm, wing. And he still beats that guy up and throws him out. 
like one guy when he gets on the truck spoilers it, it, with the arc in it <laughs> one guy who's like makes his way up there and is trouble for him otherwise indy's it, got the living the ever living hell beat out of him and he just one punches like 20 some odd nazis it's crazy right and i think that's the other fun piece to do is with moose not just with your big bad is that the lieutenants the seconds in command the sergeant that person when the bad when the big bad screams get them you know the lieutenant ninja comes up and they've got 15 mooks with them right so it's not just for the biggest of the baddest right and that's where I really think I learned this more and more in Call Cthulhu was that cultists were things that happened, right? There are pockets of them and things you had to deal with. You'd have to go somewhere, investigate a, a, a hangout of theirs, a temple, a thing, what was going on. And you had to work your way to finally figure out where the real person in charge was. But there was a head mook, right? <laughs> there was the head cultist in this little <laughs> temple. You know, mook number one, that, that number one mook, man, he, he really had it together, you know? It, he's the guy who had one spell or he had the Tommy gun or whatever it was. And uh, I, I started doing the same thing in my D&D games. You know, in Streets of Avalon, I use I use mooks because sometimes you, you don't not every fight has to be a complete brawl and uh, actually fight to the death. But sometimes it's, you know, the bad guys get street kids worked up and you're, you're walking on the street and then you're mobbed. By people, or somebody overturns a cart, somebody pays off a teamster, and that teamster jackknifes his wagon, and he just—it's just a fight. It's just a, a big problem, you know. There's a whole group of people that then show up. They have um, your griffins, your city guards are there. They're arguing back and forth. They're in the way. They're just stopping you. What are you doing? Get back here! You can't touch him. Get off of him! Stop doing that. They're barking orders they're annoying they're in the way and you just want to get across the stupid thing to go check on uh he's gone you know that, 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 now, dis- would you, that distraction. Now, Brett, how would you just dis- how would you distinguish like because i think sometimes the waters get a little muddied when you're talking npcs and mooks i mean mooks can be npcs but not all npcs are mooks and so when you say like there's a crowd of them and you've got the griffins and stuff and they're in your way you know, some people would say, well, it's just a bunch of NPCs. Yeah, to me, yeah. and these are, they are, it's just another, it's another form of them. To me, I'm never going to write down uh, the mook's name unless it becomes really important when some somebody, I've had this happen, where somebody decides, you know, the distraction mook of Timmy, like, oh, I saved Timmy. Like, why? What the fuck? Fine. I, I threw it. I threw Timmy out there and now Timmy is for some reason the fucking mascot of your team fine you know weirdness happens but i have names for the bad guys i have names for the key npcs type of thing i don't name the mooks if i do it's like mook one two five it's like cultist three it's screaming crazy person four it, that's actually a rule in savage worlds don't name them oh yeah if you're named you don't you don't have names for 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 minions and mooks in savage worlds it, wild, to, be to be a, a wild, wild card, card you have to be named yep you have to have you have to be named so even if, like I said, my, my joke with Timmy, and it's not really a joke, this type of thing happens to me sometimes in games. Th- that's an off thing. But the general approach is like, look, if I don't care, they literally are born when they walk on the scene and they're dead when the characters walk away from the scene. That NPC never matters again. Whatever happens to them will not affect the story at all. I don't know, Brett. You know, mooks and minions, they got family. They got people that care for them. They came from somewhere. That's a, diff- that's a different game, Sean. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, I think, um, so from a mayhem perspective, just to throw this in there, we've talked about clues and stuff. I loved your example, Sean, of like driving cars, smacking into stuff, um, motorcycles. You, yeah. Just messing up your day, messing up your plan. Yeah. Like, okay, we got a plan. No, you no. <laughs> I got moves. Yeah, I got moves. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got minion. You don't have moves. I got minion look. I got, I got minion local 402. They're here to fuck up your day, brother. Yeah. 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 So I think like I said, the the concept of the fighting mook, right? Like, oh, we've got that person's got only one hit point. They can still do so much damage. Are they up? Are they down? That's okay. I think the real power of them is how you can deploy 
these one shot, you know, throwaway NPCs is perhaps another phrase for them to just drop a clue, add some, add some extra spice to the event. You know, I think that's fun because our lives are filled when we can actually go out in public and mingle with all sorts of (laughs) random things that happen, right? Random things that happen. You're driving somewhere and somebody in front of you has a flat tire. You know, it's a random thing that happens. Didn't expect that to happen. Do you help them? Do you not help them? It's just a random decision needs to be made. You know, you didn't don't, didn't know what you're going to do. So I uh, anyway, that's where I think the the power of it comes in is more than just the fight, the clues, the mayhem, the distraction, the uh, the stall. You've got to get through them. This helping me keep my bad guy alive in a reasonable way that the player characters aren't going. Uh huh. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Of course. The necromancer. Yeah, she got away. Of course she did. Yeah. Uh, she could draw the back. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. She pulled out a scroll at the last second and has a, uh, a layer action <laughs> that she can do that suddenly uh, read scroll layer action once per fight. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Sure, Brett. Well, yeah. and another another thing to keep in mind and, and to uh, you never know. And I only say this because players, you got to make sure they're not worth shit. Like if they're, you know, Oh, wait a minute. We get XP for each one we cut yeah. down? Yeah. Huh. How many are there? <laughs> uh, a couple hundred? All right. Sounds like it's level Sounds up like time. It's, yeah. You have to meet grinder. Junk, 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 junk. Yeah. Yeah. You know they will. You know there's one person in one group that's going to be like, I am like 50 XP from dinging, man. How many bad guys? How many mooks are out there? How much are they worth? They're going to yeah, ask. Tell the guy to go load up Diablo and go play and then kick, kick them off your table. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. I think you're. I think you're dead right. These are um, another way to put it. And perhaps this is overly story gamer of me, but they are plot devices more than they are XP juicy bags of XP and hit points. That's not what they're. They're there for fill it, fill out the ranks. Right. I want a mob of ogres because it's fucking awesome to see. Oh my god, we just fought a whole mob of ogres. Well, they were just ogre minions. Dude, there were 20 of them. We fought 20 fucking ogres. I don't care how many were just one hit point. Doesn't matter. We fought a mob of ogres and a horde of undead. Literally, a horde. He pulled out every miniature he had and dumped them on the table in a pile and said, when you kill all of these, you can fight the bad guy. Holy shit. It, it, it's, it's a story device more than it is an experience point piece, right? It's not really for that. Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good, that's a good perspective, Sean. And I think to make it interesting on mowing, mowing these guys down is you got up, you got, so Doc would ran a homebrew and there were large kind of mass scale combats. Like, Hey, the force coming in from the West, this flank's going to come from down from the North. And he would, and we were, you know, we were vet, veteran characters. Like I I don't even remember what level. I think even at first level, he's like, your veteran characters, that's your background. That's the deal. And um, he he would roll like just a group kind of thing where if you made some to hits or whatever, however, whatever angle you were going for and you were successful, you would take out a group of them. You weren't doing one-on-one. It was just kind of boom, bam. And he did it at the 100-foot view level. But the, re- the point I'm getting at is if you're going to have mooks and minions – in your game and you're going to have them set up like Brett's talking about like obstacles and they're going to start dinking around with stuff and, you know, plow cars into a, a scene. And then they're going to, you know, now I get this big tanker truck yep. in front of you on all this, this and that. If they decide to take on these mooks and they're in mass, you got to speed up the combat. Which is I one of the reasons to have, and you one, the reasons to have one hit point or you, you hit them, you hit them, right. three of them die. You hit them uh, that, yeah, I mean, it's like, but but going to that, Brett. If you're going to play like a D and D game, for example, and it and it's a to hit, I mean, you can't just. Sometimes we don't tell them what their to hit is. You don't tell them the AC, yep. right? You just kind of like on a on a bigger boss. You're just like, all right, you hit. Okay, I think it's a. Well, it's got you got to at least have a twenty to hit this guy. With the minions, hey, you roll a ten on a D twenty. He's down. Like, I don't even roll damage. Yeah, he does that. You do, you do him enough damage on average, dude. He's got a 10 AC. Just go. Oh, really? Right, right. And sometimes that green yeah, light for the players, like, oh, oh, yeah, 50 shot. Click, click, click. And they're just rolling yeah. fucking dice, you know? 
if you roll above, you know, and make some home rules up. Hey, you roll a 20 or above, you know, it explodes. A 19 or above and explodes. You keep going until you you don't roll Just below cleave, cleave 15. like the old days. Just, yeah, bam, 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 bam. I mean, they're, the players' eyeballs will be like, whoa, this is going to be great. <laughs> and they'll just, you know, start rolling those dice and then whacking, waxing them all. And they'll be like, there's going to be one guy that's just going to be on fire, El Fuego, that day. And they're going to wax 10. Like, they'll have the record. Yeah. 10, 10 of them. Whoa, yeah. Yeah, baby. Because it beca- at that point, it almost becomes like a mini game, like, like a little... A subset right. of the rules, like, look, you've got to beat this thing. It's like the chase rules when we talked about mechanics and stuff for that. Um, it, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to, to bust through that stuff and have them. And sometimes it's just like, look, it's going to take you the full round to get through it, unless you spend a fate point. If you want to, the other thing you've got here is like, hey, look, if you want to get through these mooks because they're just in the way, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take a fate point. I'll uh, I'll take a hero point. I'll take uh you know, whatever other chips, chits, or whatever else it is you're throwing at the table there. You can take stuff away. You want to get through this faster? Brett can be yeah, bought. You want, you want to go through this yeah. faster? You want to cut down 10 mooks? Get, get, you know, I'll, I'll take a little, take that inspiration point from you. Right? There's ways to do this and have some fun with it. We can talk about that perhaps more in depth, but I think the, another time we're getting long here, but I, I think the key piece for me that I really wanted to make sure we stressed was that the fighting part is cool, but there's so much more in my opinion, distractions, the mayhem, the clue providing. If you run Call of Cthulhu, it's very common. If you take care of these minions or these cultists, you will find X. You come there and there's the nameless bellhop. If you get this die roll, they will tell you X, right? And sometimes it's like a simple intimidation check or whatever it is. And the other thing to do when you're talking about that from a clues perspective, if you're interrogating a minion, an, a throwaway name, a, a plot point person, drop the DC people. It's not, a, it's not a 15, 18, or a 20 DC to ask the bellhop, did you see anyone <laughs> mysterious? It's a three. They're never going to give it it's up. A, They're never going to give no, up. No, I've, I've taken, I've sworn the bellhop's oath. I, I shall never, I shall never divulge what I've, what I've seen in God's I'm, I'm part of the bellhop yeah. guild. I'm never going to give Madeline, it up. There's probably a bellhop guild. But anyway, point is, it, you just drop your DC, like to use D&D parlance, right? It's a, it's a four. It's a five. It's an eight. It's easy to do. Give them advantage on that type of role. Make it easier to bust through that stuff which can be some fun comical pieces right right after a horrible fight with cultists in the room the bellhop shows up like what's going on in here and you bust out and you're covered in gore you say which way did he go and then you as the game master get to this poor bellhop almost passes out he's covered in you know you're covered in gore screaming at him and oh they went that way sir you know it, it's comical it's funny this this guy's just a, a wreck move and then you move on again it's a nameless person. Slows you down a tick. You got to ask them a question. You got to pull a clue off of them. Slows you down. A little bit of mayhem right there. But then you're off and running. It's not a huge distraction, just a speed bump. So if you folks out there are using MOOCs, minions, if you've got a favorite minion rule, a mechanic, a system, you're like, hey, I really like the way this system deals with it. Hit us with that stuff. Let us know what it is because um, some systems don't have them. And sometimes it's very helpful to uh, read through a few others and say, oh, I like that. I could use that for my game. I could simply tweak this, that, or the other thing. So if you got a favorite, let us know. If you got a cool minion story, of course, you got to tell us. So we done? Let's move. We're done. I, we don't have any die rolls this week. No, I do have a link out there. I'll put it for oh. the Mook Cemetery. In case anybody needs an image of the Mook Cemetery. Fair that's enough. That's it. Di- then that's, I will. Yeah, that's, yeah, that'll be in the die roll. That'll be in the die roll. Sean is being attacked by a cat. That cat is not a minion. You, that cat is clearly not a minion. You have tried to shoot that cat away multiple <sighs> times. Augie's just... <clears throat> That's a name that you see. You call them Augie. That's the problem. If you just said cat, if you just said cat, we'd have the cat would have gone. Nope, you called them Augie. You're yeah. Screwed yourself, Sean. That's what you did. That's true. That's true. That's very true. Uh, <laughs> what are we talking about next week, Brett? Next week we're going to talk about uh, for your table or for publication. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the design and build work that we gamers love to do. So, chat about that next time. Sounds great. All right. Well, hey, thanks for showing up. Those that are in the chat this evening, we really appreciate it. We stream here every Monday night at uh, 8 p.m. Central Time on Twitch. Otherwise, you can catch out the audio version of this at your pet podcatcher of choice. Just do a search for Gaming NBS. And then, of course, if you see this on the YouTubes, give us a like and subscribe. We would appreciate it. Otherwise, 
think that is all for this evening. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming BS produced with help from the following BSers. $1 Adventure Frameworks, Aaron Coleman, Aaron Relia, Adam Grotjohn, Andy Hall, Andy Olson, Angus AWOL Trooper, Bob Fletcher, Bob Fletcher, Brian Kurtz, Brian Rumble, Chad Glayman, Chris Shore, Chris Steele, Chuck, Chuck, Cole Kago, Corey Gonzalez, Corey Welch, Craig, Craig Huber, Craig Shipman, Curtis Takahashi, C.W. Mellencamp, Dan LaValley, Daniel Garrett, David F. Baylog, Ed Nyes, Eileen Barnes, Eric Avia, Eric Jeppesen, Eric Salzweedle, Eric Frankhouse, and Eric Tavola, George Sedgwick, Ghost GM, Harrigan, Henry Newcomb, Howard Bishop, Hoos Carl, Isaiah Aries Christian, Jared Rasher, Jason Hobbs, Jay Plata, Jeff Goh, Jeff Seifert, Jim Fitzpatrick, Jim Ingram, Joe Swick, John Kayward, Josh Wallace, Kevin Keneally, Laramie Wall, Larry Hout, Larry Hollis, Mark Richmond, Mark DeSaka, Melissa Bashinsky, Michael Dinos, Michael O'Holland, Mike Coleman, Mike Kess Jr., Miniature Master, Merkel Froelich, Niall Diamond, Old Schoozer Roleplaying, Old School DM, Orcus Dorcas, Perry Besor, Phil McClory, Pure Mongrel, Quigley Malcolm, Ray Otis, Rich Wishon, Robert Nemeth, Roger Braslett, Roger French, Ron Bishop, Rory Weston, Sky, Stefan Dragonspawn, Tendrils, The Duke in Purple, Todd Sharp, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, and Wayne Peacock. Hey, for ways to support the show, head over to gamingandbs.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers! This, this has been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio production. production.